0: Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Community Church podcast. We're so excited for you to join us, and we want you to know that the Father sees you as being valuable beyond measure. Let's listen in now and hear today's message. both of them equal out to the same thing. They don't really know who they are. Maybe you're here today and you don't know who you really are. You put on a brave face, you put on a brave, and you just, you just don't know. Maybe you've encountered some sort of freedom in the past, but you refuse to live there. And instead, you live and lack, and you try to put on the change that you were set free from. Both of these places and both of these scenarios are a place of wounding. And so, this is why we're going to look at the book of Ephesians, and hopefully, this ignites something in you to dig into this for either you or for your neighborhood. All right? Paul writes to a group of people, a group of folks in Ephesus, living out these two scenarios. Go to, the, go to the next slide, Z. Ephesus was a prosperous Roman port city. You can see it up there. It traded in spices and clothing. That's what they were known for. Spices and clothing. And then uh, they also were known for their sorcery and magic. That was their, their three big exports. Spices, clothing, clothing. And sorcery. Go to the next slide. They were famous for these certain areas. You had this famous street, the Street of Curates. Uh, this street led to the Temple of, of Hoterain, which there was more than just one temple there, but that that was one of the most famous. You had the the Cels- Celsus Library, which was boasted over twelve hundred scrolls of information about things all over the world. It was a major hub of information. And then you also had a 20,000 seat theater that they were very proud of. All these things were in the middle of this city. It was bustling. Because of the sorcery and the magic that was happening there, there was a a, a silver produc- silver idol production company that was in the midst of this place. Uh, and they were making mad cash. And then Paul shows up and starts preaching the gospel, the good news, and it turns the whole city upside down to the point that the silversmiths that were making these idols went bankrupt. These business dealers get so upset that a riot begins to break out and Paul escapes with his life. Two years later, he comes back again and preaches the gospel again. And it just explodes. And now years later, at the end of Paul's life, when he's, he's being held in prison at, under house arrest in Rome, he writes this letter to the Ephesians. And he starts sharing with these folks Who they really are. So let's do this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and I've got it up here on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read this chapter. Are you all right with reading scripture this morning? Because we're going to read a whole chapter. Is that okay? It's up on the screen so you can follow. Z, you'll you'll have to keep up with me, all right? All right. I love how Paul starts this letter. He says, dear friends. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's calling them friends. And if you'll open up your heart today, you can hear Paul say, dear friend, dear friend, we're going to talk about some things today that's going to open your heart. He says my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have made whole, who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the Anointed One. May God Himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into our lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. And He chose us to be His very own, joining Himself even before He laid the foundation of the universe because of His great love. He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with an unstained innocence. For it is always... For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Let me read that again. The same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasure of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. The superabundant grace—let's let's say that one more time—the superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding— And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his uh, his long-range plan, which which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fullness of the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who Are not Jews heard the revelation of truth? You believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring. is given to a bride. As the first installment of what's coming, he is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all of the the supreme glory and honor of God. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. Flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This, the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted at first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is, is, that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is, that who fills him who is being filled by it. Amen. We can just go home right now. Let's, Paul done Preach the message. <laughs> But check this out, okay? Paul's writing to this group of people, and he's he's trying to convey to them who they really are. In this city, you have Jews and Gentiles together. You have those who have experienced some level of freedom, have at least encountered the Father in some way or the other, but because of a bunch of religious baggage, they're still living bound. They're still living like they're not free. They're still living under rules and regulations and all this other stuff that paints a negative picture of the father. And then you have a whole other crew of people. You have the Gentiles who have no idea who the father is but have just seen all these other gods or some bad portrayal of what the father looks like. And now they're trying to, in some way or the other, live life differently. But yet they've never come into the realness of who they really are. And so Paul starts beginning to break these things down simply. In verse 3, he's he's talking to me, he's he's saying, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the fact that that God has lavished every blessing. He has opened up everything upon us through Jesus. He's basically saying it's party time. It's it's time to celebrate, it's time to, to party because the Father has splurged on us. How many have kids, right, you got kids, and you go to grandma or grandpa's house and they completely spoil them, right, and you're like, what am I going to do now that I take my kids home, like, my, they just got spoiled by Nana, she just splurged completely on them, I remember when I was a kid, I loved going and staying with my grandparents in the summer, because anytime time my grandmother would go out, she would want to shop for shoes, and then she would bribe me with Hot Wheels cars. So my gran- so I wouldn't go home and tell my grandpa that my grandma bought shoes. She would splurge. She would splurge. She'd be like, because, you know, Matchbox cars were like 50, 60 cents. When I was a kid, she was like, how many do you want? I'd be like, how many shoes did you buy, grandma? <laughs> how well do you want me to keep my mouth shut? <laughs> there were times when uh, she would go, had to go to work, and I, had, I stayed home with my grandpa, and she would look at me, and she goes, hey, um, we can't go anywhere today, but here, you can take a, uh, I'll give you five bucks. Five bucks, when I was a kid, that was a big deal. And she was like, you got, you got this five bucks, and you don't you have to use it for the entire week. And down the road from my grandpa's house was this little country grocery store called Mason's. And I would walk, this is so crazy, I was like a little older than Audrey, and I would walk from their house to Mason's, <laughs> which was like half a mile down the road. Can't imagine allowing my daughter to do that nowadays. But I would walk down there, and I'd buy comic books, I'd buy candy, I, I mean, I could do all that for like a dollar, it was crazy. It, it, I felt like they just, when I came to my grandparents' house, they just lavished all this stuff, and then I went home. I didn't get a Maxbox car every time I went out. I didn't get, you know, five bucks. To, that didn't happen. I was like, come on. But Paul's kind of, he's kind of saying, listen, the, the Father is just splurged. He, he's just pouring this out through Jesus. He's, he's, he's lavishing out all these things, Everything. Every blessing out on us. And then he goes on to say that he sees us in Christ. We read from the Passion Translation, it says foundation. Other translations say beginning. Some say before the fall. But he saw us, he associated us, he sees us in Christ. Before all that. You know, some translations say, before the fall happened, he, the Father saw us in Jesus. And I'm getting to a place to where I don't really like the word fall. Because when you look at it in, in the original language that Scripture is written in, the word fall's not there. And there's more of a picture of wounding. And a lot of times the captions that you see written over the scripture you know how like you get to like little titles of sections in your bible did you know those weren't really there (laughs) when scripture was actually written some guy made that up and put it there and so that's why we call certain things certain things Well, this is the fall well and, and we talked back last year around this time about the beautiful gospel and we used the acronym wheat and the very first letter w stood for we are wounded children that we're all created in the image of God, and that we're wounded. We've been wounded through what happened in the garden. And what happened at the garden, Adam and Eve, making a bad choice, does not make me a sinner. But it did open the door for me to be wounded, and it opened the door to make bad decisions as well. Does that make sense? I'm not a sinner because what Adam did, Adam opened the door for wounding, and I'm wounded. And then Jesus came, and I encountered what Jesus did on the cross, I encountered the resurrection, I encountered the ascension, and now my wound has been healed, and I've not only been healed, but I've been made new, is what scripture says, right? I am put in the position of how the Father has always seen me. Not as wounded, but complete in Jesus. He's the architect and our design. He's created us. His heart dream realized through the coming of Jesus. Verse 6 talks about his grace plan is to be celebrated. That super exuberant grace is to be celebrated because it shows us that he greatly endears us and highly favors us in Jesus, in Christ. And then he goes on to make this bold statement. He loves us as much as he loves Christ. His love for his son is his love for us. Can you imagine that? We are highly favored in him. And so this is, and, and this, this is the gospel, and I, I posted this on the church's Instagram. The gospel is not about telling people how lost they are, but reminding them about how loved they are. Can you imagine if we started sharing that? We quit telling people how condemned and how, how just evil they are and just start telling them how loved they are. Can you imagine what would happen The shift that would happen in people's hearts, it would completely, it would completely disarm them. Paul talks about how we've been adopted. And, you know, last couple years I've really been digging into that word, especially when Paul uses it. And that, that word means a coming of age. It's, it's almost like um, a bar mitzvah in Jewish culture. When someone turns a certain age, they're considered to come of age or to become a, to become a man or to become a, a woman. It, it's, it's a seal of our sonship. He has sealed us in our sonship. And that sonship echoes Abba in our hearts. Because of that adoption, because of that coming of age, because of that opening that has happened in us, our hearts beat, Abba, 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 Abba. And we can now hear it. Verse 7 talks about how we're fully represented in Him. His blood is the ransom that secures our redemption. His forgiving our sins measures the wealth of His grace. Think about that. How huge is that? His forgiveness of the sins of the universe measures how big his grace is. People get on to me all the time about making too much about grace. How can I make too much about grace? I want to look at them and say, why do you make so much of a big deal about sin? Because Paul tells me that grace is bigger. So the more you make a big deal about sin, the bigger grace is. (laughs) So you lose. (laughs) This huge, extravagant grace shares with us how wealthy we actually are. And so this starts to break open the identity that you actually have and starts showing you that as humans, wealth is not based upon things. And wealth is not based upon items. And wealth is not based upon shiny. (laughs) I just heard somebody sing Moana. That song is played about every other day at my house. (laughs) I won't sing it. I'm not going to sing it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Um, But what's portrayed on TV, what's portrayed even in conversations, what's portrayed even on Instagram and Facebook and all these other social media outlets is that wealth is based upon status, based upon um, items and things and stuff and relationships. That's not what wealth is based on. Wealth is actually based on your encounter with grace. Because grace opens up to you how valuable you are. And so the relationship between you and the Father is where you begin to find. Wealth, real wealth. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The more you start to find your wealth between you and the Father, and you begin to find your worth through you and the Father, and your real identity begins to open up, can I tell you that the other stuff starts to come into play? Because, you know, we like to harp on the people that have all kinds of stuff, right? Because we feel like, you know, it's, it's that orphan nature. Because we don't have the same stuff, then we complain about the people that do have the stuff. Or vice versa, the people that do have stuff complain about the folks that don't have stuff because they say they don't work hard enough. It happens both ways. I'm not picking on one or the other. But on the inside, a lot of the times what's happening is both are bankrupt. But the healthy revelation of stuff and things happens in finding your worth and your wealth between you and the Father. And then what you find is all this other stuff, that's just opportunity. That other stuff is opportunity not only to help you, not only to bless you and to keep you, but also to help and to bless other people, and to move other people, and to show other people, and to work with other people, and to encourage other people. There's a difference. that in your wealth and your worth between you and the father there there comes a hear me out there comes a satisfaction not a satisfaction in staying where you're at but a satisfaction with enjoying the moment and allowing yourself to grow into more does that make sense you can have you can have two you can have two different people up here you can have someone who let's say that they're homeless and they just encountered the radical grace of the father things have started to open up to them and they and they know they're starting to know and understand them and realize their worth and realize their wealth in the father And then you have someone that has everything, and the same thing has happened. The the father's open things up to them, and they start finding out their real worth and their real wealth in the father. And both of them can be satisfied in their place, but also be hungry for moving into the more. Does that make sense? You don't have to have everything to be satisfied. And enjoy the moment. But a lot of times people use that as a crutch and just be like, well, I'm satisfied. I don't have to move any further than that when there's so much more. That make sense? Okay. <laughs> so I'm rolling, all right. What I'm learning more and more each day is, is if I as I find my worth and my wealth in the Father... that the conversations I start having with him is, when I start asking questions like, okay, so what's my purpose? Or, or what am I to be doing now? Or, or, or where do we go now? The answer that I'm getting is not, thus saith the Lord, here is your three-part plan for the next five years of your life. I'm not hearing that. You want to know what I'm hearing? Well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you want to try? What do you want to partner in in moving this thing forward? Because I tell you what, son, daughter, I love you and I believe in you. Let's try this. Now, I know that's scary to some because some folks will be like, well, God is sovereign and he knows all in and all and he has it all planned out. You know what that sounds like to me? Star Trek. There's an episode. There's a move There's a series or a movie. I forget which one it is, uh, where they f- where they actually think they find God, and he's in this other distant place, and it's in- hard to get to. <laughs> it sounds so much like some of the theology stuff that I heard when I was growing up. Somewhere off at this point, there's this bright thing, and you get. <laughs> And there's this whole crisis and this conversation that happens during the whole movie. But basically, the whole conversation, the whole the whole, I, whole thing is, is that this idea of who this person is out there in the middle of nowhere completely, totally encompasses God in a box. And I think it's either Bones or someone else finally says, if that's what the creator is that we can actually box him in, then I don't want anything to do with it. I'm paraphrasing. And I'm kind of the same way. If you can box God in and put him in a position to where he's, he's got this whole, he's got this whole thing planned out, you planned out, all that, and he can't, that can't change or you can't change that, I, I, that's putting God in a box. I think God's bigger than that. I think when God looks down at Chandler, Chandler right now in this moment has a million and one choices he can make, right? He could stand up and slap me in the face. He could fall asleep. He could sing Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> he could, he could uh, get up and dance a jig. He could leave and go to the Mexican restaurant. I mean, there's so many choices he could do right now in this moment. Tacos, yes. Oh, why did I say tacos? Now I'm hungry. Whew. But can I tell you, can I tell you something? God is so huge, He sees every single one of those choices. And then there's the Holy Spirit that works in the midst of all of that, and walks with Him, and speaks to Him, and is there a better choice? Yes. And that's why the Holy Spirit leads us in, in understanding and wisdom. But He can make whatever choice He wants to make. And I don't think the Father's like, well, you gotta do it this way. I don't. I don't even see that in scripture. He has plans, he has things. But how you get to where that is, man that's free will. And so that's why the Father can look at us and say, "What do you what do you want to do?" And ultimately, can I ask you a question? Ultimately, what's the biggest plan that the Father would have for your life? For you to know the real you. How you get to that point is between you and Him. How you walk that out. That's the beauty of this. This is relationship. Lindsay and I will be married 15 years. Is that right? It's 15. 15 years in July, the end of July, July 24th. I got it right, July 24th. I was like, I'm not getting in trouble. I remember the. I didn't write it down. It's just the password for the most of the stuff we have. No, I'm just <laughs> Now, now we got to change them all. But if if you could look at Lindsay and I's life together for the last fifteen years, if you could see it painted out and see the lines and the in the in the circles and the roller, I mean, you would think that's some plan, right? How many else can attest to that too? If you wrote out your you're, if you could write out your life for the last 15 years, you'd be like, I, I don't know <laughs> But who would trade it? I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade the last 15 years of my life for nothing. That's, that's, that's part of this thing called adventure. I mean, Lindsay and I could write a long list of how many times that, that there's been things that's happened and hurt and pain and devastation. But at the same time, we could come over and list all the things that brought us joy and hope and unbelievable gratitude and amazement. And and what we've learned, and this is just something that we've learned as a couple maybe in the last few years, is that these things over here greatly outweigh the hurt and the pain. And even in the hurt and the pain, the things that happened that were so, oh, so good and the hope that happened comes in those moments. And we've even had to look, in the, look in, the, in, the, in the despair sometimes at the hope that we experienced in the past and, and, and had to kind of shake ourselves and go, you know what? It may be like this right now, but joy comes in the morning. It may be like this right here, but you know what? That's not who we are. We had to learn that. We had to learn that situations and circumstances doesn't determine who you are. But in the 15 years of our life together, we've kind of walked out of that. And I'm not putting us on a pedestal or nothing. Some of you have been doing it longer than us, and you learned it a whole lot faster than we did. But in this process of finding the real you and your real worth and your real wealth, if you open yourself up to that, if you start opening yourself up and seeing this, this super abundant grace and this grace plan that he has that's to be celebrated and to be to throw a party over, if you start seeing that and walking in that, not only are you going to find the real you, but f- the people in your family are going to see you finding the real you, and then it's going to encourage them, because it's contagious, to find the real them, and then you'll find out who your real family is family is. One of the greatest challenges for me is with my three children and because of the encounter that I've had with the Father and His love for the last few years and how I was raised and now looking at my three kids, the challenge for me is, how do I do it different? This love that I'm experiencing from the father that I wouldn't trade for anything, how am I now going to express that and show that to my kids? Now that I'm on this process of finding the real me after 40-some years of life, how do I n- now Share that with them. How do I now walk that out with them? How do I help them find the real them? How do I share with them this huge extravagant grace and and share with them just the love of the Father? How do I begin to walk that out with them? That's a big deal, right? Right? And the only answer that I have for you is keep finding out who you really are so they can see that played out before them. There's been some times that the old me, like the old way that the stuff that I was raised in and the stuff that how I was taught and, 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 and even the, the whole like condemning like you got you to gotta make your kid feel bad for them to, to get right. You know what I'm saying? You got to put shame on them. There's been a couple times with, especially with Audrey sometimes, uh, because I've noticed it more with her because she's, her heart is just so open. And I'll see myself, if she does something or says something, and I'll get on to her, I'll see how my words affect her. And immediately, I jump on it. I try to as, as fast as I can. I jump on it, and I start talking to her like a, like, A father's supposed to talk to her. And I get down on her knees and I get down, I'll get down on my knees to her level. That would squish her. Um, But I get down on her level and I try to talk to her. And her heart is just so open, it's immediately like, last night they wouldn't go to sleep. I'm just gonna be real honest. You wanna get real? Let's get real. Last night they would not go to sleep. And it's been for the last three months, it's been bedtime and three hours later they're still up and they're partying. Like, Throwing animals around, passing stuff around. I mean, if they could write, if Ezra could write, they'd be passing notes because they got bunk beds. And they're just going, I mean, just crazy. And so I'm up, I'm up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs talking to them. And the last time I get in there, I'm talking to them. And I'm trying with everything within me, I'm not trying to go back to the whole shaming thing. Like making them feel bad because they're still up, right? I'm, tr- I'm trying to some way share something to grab their attention, but yet hopefully they can experience the Father's love and see that See that through that love they just begin to make a better choice. Does that make sense? I don't know. This is a new thing for me. I'm walking this out myself. But in the midst of me talking to my kids, my hands up on the top bunk where Audrey is, and I'm trying to explain to them, listen, you're going to get up tomorrow, and because you're not going to sleep, you're going to be tired, you're going to be grumpy, and guess what? That means I'm going to be grumpy because I'm up later because I'm working on stuff and I can't get stuff done if you're still talking and sleeping because i got to keep coming up here. and We're, we're just kind of talking. We're trying to have this thing. And Audrey leans over, and she, she sticks her hand on my hand. And she says, Daddy, I go, yeah. And I'm waiting for a question because Audrey is full of questions right now. But she says, Daddy, I'm going to go to sleep because you're right. I'll be grumpy too. Let's not be grumpy in the morning. I'm like, she had more compassion than me in this moment. (laughs) But we're trying to learn this thing together. when he's sharing here in Ephesians, he's trying to show us the present reality that we now live in post-cross. Christ universally at the cross forgave. I know that word scares some people when I use the word universally, but I want you to understand how big that salvation and that forgiveness was. I'm not saying that everybody takes advantage of that universal forgiveness. You hear me? But what I am saying is it says that he paid for it once for all, everything, forgave everything. Whether you take advantage of that or not, it's between you and him. That's how huge that moment is. And Paul's saying post that. The reality that we can now live in is the one in Christ. Christ now sits at the right hand of the Father, right? It's a position of authority. It's speaking and saying that now Christ is, is here. And because he, he, he's here, what does Paul say? We are now seated with him. We are now with him in that place to sit down at the Father's table and have conversations and talk and walk and have real relationship once again, like it was in the garden. That super exuberant, beyond, call it hyper, whatever you want to call it, grace, open this up to us to where we can experience salvation, we can experience freedom, and now stand in the place where we can see from the Father's perspective. cross, his, his moment on the cross brought forgiveness, brought salvation, his resurrection revealed our common genesis, because Paul says that we are in him, our beginning is found in him, and not only that, his resurrection redeemed our innocence, redeemed our goodness, because Father all the way in the beginning of beginnings declared everything good. And the cross brought that back to the very front of everything. So it's no wonder he calls us kin. If the resurrection reveals our beginning in him, and the resurrection reveals our redeemed innocence... It's no wonder that the Father can boldly proclaim that we are His sons and we are His daughters. That's what Acts 17.28 says. This is the good news that's no longer hidden. It's no longer put up somewhere, but it's completely unveiled. And this good news brings a clear picture of how precious you are to him how you are his treasures 118, Ephesians 1.18 says in the, in the mirror Translation it says I pray that your thoughts will be flooded with light and inspired insight that you will clearly picture his intent in identifying you and so that you may know how precious you are to him What God possesses in your redeemed innocence is his treasure and glorious trophy of his inheritance. You are God's portion. You are the sum total of his assets and the measure of his wealth. You are his portion. Portion is a part of. So you are a part of him. Your innocence that was revealed at the cross shows you that you are are a part of the Father. You were created in his image. It says that you're the sum of his total assets. Assets means a value of something that's beyond measure. So you are a part of him. You're created in his image. And your value, your asset, is beyond measure. And he says, says that you're you are his, his asset or you're you are his, his, his thing that is beyond all measure. And he also says that, that you're his wealth. You're his abundance. That's what he's saying about you. That you are his, that you are valuable beyond measure, and you are a part of his wealth. You're a part of his worth. You're a part of what he has. So so we have to understand the magnitude, the hugeness of this power that happened in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We have to understand how huge this is, how big this is, how powerful this is. Because when we understand the power of the finished work on the cross, we start to live from it. I'm not living to obtain anything. I have it. I may not have experienced it yet, but I have it. Let me give you a good example. If you walk back in that office back there, there's, there's bookshelves full of books. I have a ton of books. I love books. I love having different translations of Bibles. To the point now that where Lindsay says, if I buy another Bible, I have to... Get rid of one that I have. I can't add to it anymore. I just have to replace. It's almost getting that way with books, but she loves books too. So we just buy books. We love books. I have a lot of books, and I have a ton of books that I haven't read yet. So I have all these books, but there's some books that I haven't experienced yet. Through the cross, I have everything that's promised to me. Through the Father, there's just some things that I have not experienced yet. And it's waiting for me to open it up and read it. Just like a good book. So I'm gonna read just a few more verses in the through the mirror translation, and we're gonna be done, okay? Verse 20 says, Do you want to measure the mind and the muscle of God? Consider the force which he unleashed in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and forever seated him enthroned as the executive authority in the realm of heavens. Jesus is God's right hand of power. He was raised up from the deepest dungeons of human despair to the highest region of heavenly bliss. Infinitely above all the combined forces of rule, authority, dominion, or governments, he is ranked superior to any name that could ever be given to anyone of this age or any age still to come in the eternal future. I want you to see this. Bold. I want you to see this. He subjected all these powers under his feet. He towers head and shoulders above everything, and he is the head. The ecclesia is his body, the church. The completeness of his being that fills all in all resides in us. God cannot make himself more visible or exhibit himself more accurately. So I love how Francis Dutois paints this picture. He says, do you want to measure the muscles and the mind of God? We'll just consider the power that was unleashed through Jesus. That's huge, right? To the point that any authority, any power, anything that has ever happened in the known universe outside the Father pales in comparison to what was unleashed through Jesus. And that Jesus went to the deepest, darkest depths of human despair hell itself, and rose and came and has been lifted higher to the, to the highest of highs, to what the, the mirror says, heavenly bliss. Above all forces, all authority, all dominion, all governance, he's ranked superior and his name is greater than all other names. And Paul is bold. He says, I want you to see this. You've got to get this. He's the head. He's it. And then in the last verse, he breaks it down and he says, the church is his body. And the completeness of that mind and that muscle that exploded through Jesus Christ now resides where? Where does it lie? If that's not an encouragement, how many of you guys... You, you wake up sometimes and you feel powerless. Paul's telling us that the same power that was exploded through Jesus Christ is now in me. He says, we, the ecclesia, are the completeness of him. We are his redeemed image and likeness in the earth. So when people see us, they should see Jesus. And there's no power, there's no principality, there's no authority, there's no government, there's nothing that can stand against that. It says the gates of hell shall shall prevail, or does it say shall not prevail? anything anything that tries to win using despair is defeated through the power of Jesus and because that power now lies within inside of you you are a despair buster In my mind, the picture that I get is in in World War II. You know, they had the big, huge megaton bombs, and they would paint stuff on them sometimes. And they would say, you know, a city, and they would say something, "Buster" or "Nazi Buster" or whatever. They would just kind of, and they would just because when they came, they just bust things to oblivion. That's what you are. So, if you encounter despair. Anxiousness, nervousness, anything that would counteract and contradict who the Father says you are, any circumstance, the power within you, Christ, busts and destroys that despair. And if you encounter despair through any type of authority, any type of power, anything that would try to raise itself above the logos, God's mind made up, guess what? The power to destroy that and bust that lies in you. That's who you are. You win because Christ won. alright so I hope this ignites something in you to, to, to dig deeper I, we, we may go into chapter 2 next week I don't know if not I encourage you this week to get into it I thought about maybe um, we talked last year about doing some sort of religious detox kind of course online and, and man Ephesians would be a great way to start that finding out the real you, detoxing from the stuff that's been taught to you and, and shared with you to put you in a position of not knowing who you really are, but we but finding out who you really are. And Ephesians does a really good job. I mean, listen to the, the first verse of chapter 2. Picture where God found us. We're in a death trap of an inferior lifestyle, constantly living below the blueprint most of the people that we come in contact maybe you're still living below the blueprint of what christ intended you to be i mean there's a difference between a professional blueprint and a treasure map that my son ezra makes (laughs) although i love the treasure map that ezra makes i can't make heads or tails of it but some of us kind of live like a drawing that a three-year-old three-year-old drew And we think that's our blueprint, and it's chaotic, and it's full of despair. And Christ is over here with this complete, awesome blueprint. Maybe off to the side, got the collar photos and the 3D model over here. Nowadays, 4D model where you put the glasses on, and you like, you could walk around through it. That's what's here. This is what you have because of what Christ did, but we're still living by the three-year-old picture. So much in this book. I'm not, I'm encouraged. We might just read chapter two next week. I don't know. But the heart here is that you start finding the real you, who the Father says you really are. So I'll, I want to pray. If there, if you need prayer for anything, may, man, maybe you're here today, and, and and I talked about despair, anxiousness, and you're like, yeah, I got that, some of that going on. Listen. <laughs> Trust me you're not alone there's times when I when 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 I'm dealing with that stuff too stress and anxiousness and despair let me tell you something some of the things that I was working on in our house this week <laughs> there are sometimes that I was feeling some despair there's sometimes when, when you're feeling like I I can't believe that this is like this yeah, as a dad I'm letting this you know I, I being honest with you. I know what it's like to get in a position to where you shift from who you really are into what you think you may be. That you're not good enough. That, you, that, that And that shame starts heaping up and, and you just get into this position where you get, you can't even think. I know what that's like. So if you need prayer for that today, listen, don't hesitate. Just come and, and, and we'll pray for you today. And I'm not saying that prayer is this magic thing where we, we lay hands on you or we pray for you that that's just magically going to go poof. And it might, that'd be awesome. That'd be, I'm not saying that the Father can't do that. But my heart is, is that it's not a poof moment, but it's a, it's a beginning of a relationship and an openness and eyes begin to open to see more. So I'm going to pray, and if you need prayer today, don't, don't hesitate. Come and get prayer, okay? So, Father, we just thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for just your super exuberant grace revealing to us who we really are, showing us our wealth and our worth in you, that you have pulled us into position Seated with Christ, now there with you, Father. We have a seat there, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and us at your table. And now we're freely able to conversate and talk and and share and hear and listen. And you're not even wanting to dominate the conversation. You're you're open to hear from us as well. As a matter of fact, you're asking us, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How do you want to walk this out? What's your ideas? What's your plans? You're that big. You can handle that. That's how awesome you are. Help us to see how big, how huge, how powerful the finished work of Christ was at the cross. And let us live from that point of reality. Let us not go back before when we were a place of despair, when we were a place of not knowing, when we were a place of living under brokenness and and rules and regulations, but yet you came and broke that and brought freedom. Let us live from that free place in you. Let us live from the place of your resurrection, our our redeemed innocence, and we see where our beginning started in you. Let us live from your ascension, where we now see things from your perspective, and no longer blinded by stuff around us. This be in that place. I thank you that you're not afraid of baby steps. I, I'm, I, I'm thankful that you're not asking us right now in this moment to, to bust headlong into a sprint. But you're asking us just to start taking steps of living from this new reality, from living from the finished work, living from indeed, redeemed innocence, living from our genesis which is in you, living from seeing things from your perspective even if it's just learning how to do that now those are ba- that's okay you said it's all right it's it's we're learning our sonship our daughtership now i thank you that we can just start making those steps and moving towards what you have thank you father amen amen awesome thank you guys Oh, next week's Mother's Day, so pretty pretty stoked about that. We got some fun stuff planned. So, make sure you come and hang out with us, all right? And you can bring your mom.